always requested. It's been vetoed, I do my degree. <laughs> oh, good night or good evening, guys. Thanks for being here. Um, maybe we should have had Brad play all by myself because I'm all by myself, but I'm just gonna start out with I'm just saying, and I'm just saying it's terrifying on Tuesday when Ben Kingston sends you a text and says that he's not gonna be there and Gavin's not gonna be there and neither is Todd, so <laughs> by myself. But we have something interesting and a little bit different tonight. I think you'll like it. Um, we are going to interview a few people from our church. Um, that I, we, we might know a little bit, but just some things we would like to know a little bit more about. Um, starting with Mandy Miller, our song leader, our um, music director, if you will. So she's gonna come up, we're gonna do an interview with her. Yes, she deserves a round of applause. Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing like finding out on Tuesday that you're... <laughs> Tuesday <laughs> evening on my way to the concert, literally walking out the door, heading to my kids' concert. That's <laughs> At least you got a day's notice. Yeah. Uh, that's actually better than Tom's I news. Trust me, I work with what I've been, I know. <laughs> yeah. um, so Mandy, we had the privilege of being in high school a little bit together, and you were always one of the most musically talented. You were a senior when I was a freshman, and you were great in band, you were great in choir, I always I remember. I was great in band, but you were <laughs> I'll great take in choir. <laughs> I remember your senior year, I, if my memory serves me, you had a music solo like first thing in the morning, didn't you, mm -hmm. like on a Saturday and you had to perform, I remember that, and um, you were awesome. So I always knew you as a great musical talent. Um, my first question for you is, what is your earliest memory of loving music? And Well, I think that uh, that would probably be my parents always took us, took my brother and I to a lot of gospel concerts. Um, I remember uh, probably about seven, eight years old, we went to Central Baptist in Eureka and saw the Tallies play, the Tally Trio play, and Kirk Tally was playing the piano. And I'll never forget, because I catch myself doing it now, the way he pedaled with the piano, because he kept, the, he pushed the pedal and then he kept his heel to the beat. And I catch myself doing that all the time. I, it was just something that stuck with me, and I, I just never forgot that moment. But, I, you know, my parents took us to that. But I think my, my ultimate thing was um, I begged and begged and begged to play the piano, to take piano lessons. We didn't have a piano. And my, I have a sister that is 12 years older than me, Kim, and she took piano lessons when she was little, and it was a nightmare. And probably fell out of interest with it. And, and then literally when they went to take the piano to somebody's house, it fell off the trailer and shattered in the middle of the road, and it... Did my dad was done, never again, are we doing, no, you know. And so living out of my sister's uh, experiences, they kept telling me no, 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 until it got to a point where I just begged. And my dad was a construction superintendent in, at a construction company in St. Louis, and his, his project, his job that he was working on was a church that had caught on fire in St. Louis. And the piano that they had uh, obviously was in the fire, and the only thing that burned was the bench the piano itself was fine, and they wanted to get rid of it because they wanted a new piano. All it had was a little smoke damage. And so I knew nothing at all about this, but when I came home off the bus from church camp, we pull up on the bus, and my dad pulls up with us too, and his piano's in the back of the truck. Needless to say, I was the first kid off the bus, and I was on the back of my dad's truck playing the piano. 
and I haven't stopped since. So I couldn't take piano lessons immediately because I was going to take from Deborah Smith, here, um, John Smith's wife here at the church, and she had just had one of her children and was on a maternity leave, so I had to wait a little bit. But I didn't actually start playing until I was in sixth grade. Oh, so wow. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is maybe a little bit later than some usually kids start. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us briefly, what is your current schedule like outside of church and leading worship? You have three children. What is a, what is a normal... What do you do, Mandy? What is normal? Yeah. <laughs> because right now, I, you know, I went to, back to school last year and got my um, teacher certification to be a choir director. And that has not panned out on a full-time spectrum. However, right now, the choir director at St. Clair is on maternity leave. And so I am the full-time choir director at the moment. And so my, right now, my moment is I get up at 545 in the morning, and I'm at school by 7 o'clock, teach choir and, and uh, guitar all day long. And then, <laughs> notice I say that quietly because I'm not quite the guitar player. But uh, then I do a few lessons still. I still have some private lessons. Mm-hmm. I do piano and voice uh, that I do after school. And then um, run the kids. Melody's taking piano lessons, run them to where they need to go, the different band. And they both are in read, write, and run and girls on the run mm-hmm. activities after school. And honor choir. And so run them back and forth to their activities. And uh, so essentially, myself. you're very, very busy. Yes. And music has become your career and mm-hmm. um, your big part of your ministry here at the church. Um, at what point did you know that that's what you wanted to do to make a career of music? <clears throat> well, to make a career of music was kind of twofold. Um, I knew when I was going to go um, to college that I was going to major in music, and I my intention at that time was to uh, get my teacher certification at the time. Um, however, my junior year of college, uh, I was at Southwest Baptist University, and we had um, the church music conference had come to the campus, and it was during that church music conference, besides the fact that I was already traveling with the Contempos group at the time, I was traveling singing contemporary Christian and playing the piano for the contemporary Christian group there in the college, and we had gone to all over the state of Missouri, Arkansas, Illinois, and then uh, the end of that year, we went into Washington, D.C. touring. And then when, I, when we came back and I went to this conference, um, there were just the, the speaking and the, the different aspects of that conference, I knew immediately that my, I was not going to go into education for a while. I say for a while because I still knew that I wanted to do something with education, whether it was teaching private voice lessons or piano lessons or whatever, or getting back into the school. And so I immediately changed my major from education to church ministry. And so uh, two th- in, in 2000, I graduated with a church music degree. Okay, um, you're, you must be the hot topic because I've already got people texting in questions. <laughs> and this one is super important, so I don't want to miss it. Um, what kind of singing show would you try out for on TV oh, today? What well, can't well, be American Idol anymore. Missed the bus on that one, sorry. Um, I, I, if I <laughs> did, it would probably be The Voice. I, I absolutely love The Voice. I we do are, too, I'm ashamed to say I like yeah, it Yeah, we're kind of addicted to The Voice. Um, I would want it to be a year that uh, Usher's on though. Oh. I really think that Usher is the best voice inst- instructor they've had on there. He would he, be your pick. He would be my pick, he would be. Uh, when he got down on the floor and made them do push-ups and, and, and breathing through the push-ups and singing through their push-ups, I said, that's the that's one. Your <laughs> that's your guy. That's hilarious. Guy. Just because he, he's using every, you know, he's using not just uh, visual and audio, audio, you know, mm-hmm. learning methods, he's using the kinesthetics too to teach them. And so you don't, 
when my students, when I put them on the floor, they get mad at me, but I do it. And, oh, my and I gosh. And I knew that it was, he would be my one. Well, we'll have to send Brad Sadie will tell here. you that I, I always love the season ushers on. We hardly miss <laughs> any when ushers on. That's good to know. I would have never guessed. That's great. Um, someone else wants to know, did you give Melody piano lessons, or does she, you did, and now she's going exactly. moved on? Uh, if I, I think I could do Melody again now. But I, we tried to start Melody and Brent both when they were in first grade, and I'll just be honest with you, I won't take on a private student at that young of an age to begin with. I only t I start them at second grade and, and, and I tell everybody when they ask, I just don't have the patience for them. Sitting there and the students, they move so slowly in their progress that I just lose patience with them and I want them to move faster and it doesn't happen. And so that kind of happened with Melody and Brent and they, don't, they didn't at that time respond to mom. So it's hard to teach your own children, I think. It's hard, I could never homeschool. I could never homeschool, <laughs> but um, they, uh, I, so I, of course I, I, you know, worked with them for a while, and then we just kind of quit, and then um, I guess it's been a year and a half ago, Melody picked up with Shayla Henson, and we took it on as a mentorship type thing, because Shayla's one of my students, and so we took it on that, that I would help her learn how to teach people piano lessons, and she's taken Melody from, well, she's on her fourth set of books right now. Oh, wow. She's kind of flying. So back to, um, or starting with what you do here at the church, um, what is your view on worship through music? Well, I, I made some notes because that was one that I knew was coming. That's a tough question. It is a tough question. And so, um, well, first of all, worship uh, is about what we love, uh, what we live for, but it's about who we are before God. And so when I think of leading worship, um, I think that, Worship is important that we put ourselves before the Lord and put nothing else in front of it. So, so often we find ourselves actually worshiping the television or the mm. baseball game or whatever it is because we've put that before God. And I think that our lives need to always make sure that we have God first so that we, can, we are worshiping Him utmost and, and not all the other things. That, the distractions is what I often call it. Um, I think leading... Uh, just as part of this, that, that leading God's people in worship is one of the most fulfilling, um, enjoyable, exciting, life-changing roles to have. Um, I, th I enjoy, I, I love teaching at school, but I, I have parameters that I can and can't say. And here I can say anything I want to, you know, and, and have, never have to hold my tongue and, and just proclaim the name of Jesus and everything I can, can do. So how do you go about preparing for a Sunday morning worship service? What all goes into that? And I imagine it's more than what us as just being in the congregation realize what you have to do to get ready for Sunday. There's never a time that I'm not listening to music to with, with a mindset of could I use this at, at church. So in that aspect, I'm always thinking about what I'm going to be using at church. What am I going to be doing and using for the church? But of course, um, every day prayer is involved. Uh, you know, praying for uh, the leadership of the Holy Spirit for what music we need to be using, praying for my team members, praying for the church uh, in, in their lives, praying for the lost souls that the lyric of our songs will will come across to the the people that that are in our audience that day. Sometimes music speaks to people more than preaching does. Sometimes preaching speaks to people more than music does. Mm -hmm. You've got to meet them everywhere that they're at. And so I, when I am going through the process, which is usually on a Monday morning, on Monday mornings, 
uh, sometime on Monday. Right now it happens to be my plan time, which is in the afternoon, but sometime on Mondays I always pick out our music. Um, usually by a Sunday morning, a God has already given me a, a theme. Mm -hmm. and, I, and when I choose themes, I, I choose themes strictly on the lyric of what topic or theme that, you know, obvious times or Mother's Day we're going to sing about, you know, the love of, you know, mothers and sing faith of our father, faith of our mothers and those kind of songs. Or around you know. Christmas or around yeah, Christmas Easter. Time right. Christmas time is easy. I can fill those up pretty quick and be done for the whole month. Usually Fourth I do. Fourth of July, love that. Fourth of July, so yeah. Patriotic. Those Sundays, you know Still what you're going to sing. Still makes me tear up. Can't help that. Yeah, you're, you know what you're going to sing on those Sundays, but usually by Sunday night, sun, uh, definitely by that Monday, I've already got, you know, I usually wake up with a song that, that I know I'm going to center everything around. Now, um, it seems like, a lot of times what you have chosen for worship songs kind of blends into what Ben's preaching about. Does he ask you to do that, or does that just kind of happen? Is that just That God? would be a miracle from God. The yeah. brother Ben told me something ahead of time. Yeah. We, that was, <laughs> no. You know what? I should have no. known that already. He, he never, <laughs> ever. Uh, I think maybe I've probably been picking out the music and, and leading for at least five years, if not longer. I think maybe twice in those five years has he actually – told me what a topic was going to be. Now, if he's in a series and he's actually following his series, so like was when he was in, you know, strictly going through Matthew, um, Matthew or Acts, <laughs> and I knew what strip scripture, scripture, what scripture he was going through, I would review that before I would ever start. And then I, a lot of times I'll start with the hymnal and start with my first service songs because the hymnal um, in, in the back has a scriptural index that gives you what, what the songs are based off of according mm -hmm. to the scriptures. And so if I know that he is going a certain direction, I'll try to go find some songs that goes along with that. But like I said, that's seldom. Just from us normal congregation people, do you ever take requests? Or do you ever have people say, oh, I, I heard this song? Just about every Sunday, actually. Do you? Mm -hmm. Just about every Sunday somebody mentions something. And are you able to ever Most fit of it the in? Time. Most of the time. Sometimes it takes me a little while. One song um, recently was a, was a hymn that I was mildly familiar with, and so I needed to make myself mm -hmm. more familiar. Because mm -hmm. I'll tell you, those hymns, Steve and Betsy would agree with me, we get tongue-tied every once in a while on those hymns. And, and you'll notice when we don't know it very well, because we look at our music like this, trying to read those words, because we... And a lot of those words were written in 1800, yeah. some of the older hymns, which is a question that I didn't send out earlier, sorry, or Ben, but traditional song service versus contemporary music. Um, I've heard people say before that a good worship service is kind of a buffet, a little something for everyone. But I do like that we have more of the traditional hymns in the morning, and then we have the more contemporary um, in the second service. What are your thoughts on that? Do you just like the old hymns? Do you like it all? It's all well, good? I, of course, I like it all. Yeah. You know, and I like, I like to mix it all. Um, I like a little bit of everything. <laughs> I would love to go and do some barbershop quartet with some of our songs and some acapella stuff, but it's just a matter of time, and, and time is an issue, too, getting everybody together to do those. But I think, uh, well, the, one of the main reasons why we are going the direction we are right now is, is per Brother Ben's leadership. When we started the two services in 2009, that was the direction that, that he in, told us to go, you might say. And, and, and back in 2009, Dave Mails was able to do the first service, and then I did the second. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why we alternated on Sunday evenings is, uh, with Dave. But um, we were told, you might say, back then to keep it that direction. And I think that um, you can tell if you come to first service that, that some of those people, that's what they love. Uh, there's been some that, that are 
actually tech savvy and and you know how we're checking in on mm -hmm. Sundays and you'll go back in and see somewhere they've checked in and they've put in the lyrics of the hymns that we've sang mm -hmm. that morning and so uh, you know it, they speak to everyone they do they, the old songs speak uh, the new songs speak and you know what are they doing now with the new songs they're taking the hymns and, put and putting them to a different just beat just yep. a, a little twist to them yep you know um and I what was it that made you come up with the idea of the youth praise team? Like, where did that idea come from? Because well, now you've... Well, I have, um, again, been, at, been in the St. Clair School District since, since I came back from college, which was in uh, the spring of 2001 is when I started working in the school district. And I've built a big rapport with the students there. And right now, our, not just right now, but the last several years, our teens have had a huge desire for that. And so my intention was to just get them together, teach them a little bit. We'd sing maybe once a month. And did I ever dream that it would go where it's at right now? No. But, uh, which praise the Lord, because the kids are loving it. But I, my intention, honestly, um, and let me get to my notes because I don't want to miss what I wanted to say for this. But my, my purpose of the, the youth praise team is not to just teach them a whole bunch of songs and let them get up and sing and perform and learn how to perform. Because every one of those kids would tell you that we sit down and we have devotions. Every, not every week, but at least once a month we sit down as we're preparing for our, our um, music. And within our devotions, I don't lead it myself all the time. Probably the first one I do, but then the next week or two, the kids have to take the songs. I make them take the songs that we're singing because we have picked out our music and we've got our five or six, seven songs. They're to take those songs and come back and tell me what those songs mean. Because I don't want them to just learn a bunch of notes and rhythms and words. I mm -hmm. want them to know what these songs are and why they're applicable to our faith and our lives. Yeah. And so uh, we sit up here in a big circle and, and have a little 15, 20 minutes of devotion time. And then we'll get up and play and go from there. But I, I, my goal is to teach them what worship is, why we're called to, to worship God, and what the meaning of the songs are. And then once we get, once I feel like that they're past that, of course we have to learn the music, you know. And so we spend a lot of time on music. But, um, th you know, I really want them to know more about worship than just the songs. And, and we have some really talented kids, and I had no idea until they really started performing a lot more just what a pretty incredible group that we have. Yeah, I'm dreading the next couple of years when they all graduate yeah, and possibly yeah. go to college. Well, well and then I'm pretty sure there's going to be some more there's follows. There's some coming so. up, yes, but it, yes. Um, <laughs> That's the hard part of transitions, uh, you know, a, a position like this. You know, and I, and I get this every year at school, too. Every year we graduate off some good ones, but then, like you said, they just keep, keep coming. Mm -hmm. If you keep training them right, they'll keep coming. Um, I've said this before, but... Um, you know, I'll visit other churches for different reasons. You know, like my niece had a baptism or I'll, you know, have to, you know, the opportunity calls that I'm at a different church. And I always think, like, this church is good. Their worship is good. But ours is just so much better. And I'm thankful. When I first started coming here was in 2010. And I remember thinking and even saying, our worship team is like a guitar and a trap set away from being just unbelievable. And then the next thing you know, we've got like just this full, full group, and it's just awesome. It really is. It, it's good to have talent and um, a church that supports us so that every once in a while we can go buy new things, mm -hmm. like our new djembe we've got up there. And or the thought of like, but drums, the old, we've never done that before. Yes. That's, that's scary. Yes. So. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you feel, some people, like, I was raised singing, like, 
physically singing songs and you know my dad would walk down the hall singing hymns and you know that was just normal but a lot of people weren't raised to just sing out loud and sing in church and just sing period what are your thoughts about that in a worship service because that is for some people very unnatural to sing in a group whereas to some people it's what we've always done right I think um, you know there's always the you might say Sunday school answer to that where the scripture says to make a joyful noise unto the Lord um, that I definitely use that and and a lot of times because I am a musician and because I am a teacher a lot of people won't sing around me because they're afraid I'm gonna say something unfortunately people have shared my my uncanny natural ability to let people know that they're out of tune if you ever watch me and my eye does this I'm not kidding <laughs> they're out of tune or something is wrong or I give them you know if anybody was watching Sunday night which I should not have done this but Benjamin missed like two or three notes Sunday night and every time he would <laughs> he'd look at me and he'd smile and I just give him the eyebrow you know like not, I'm not so gonna hurt you. every once in a while you got to watch <laughs> us because we do obviously have fun in what we're doing but anyway to answer that question I the Bible says to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, and and everybody has something inside them that they can put forth, and whether it be out of tune or not, let her rip tater chip because yeah, the Lord yeah. wants to hear it. You know? Ironically, somebody just texted, and when is Tara going to sing the special? There you go, Tara. Yeah, pull out the probably clarinet. never. I was about to say I'm I'm a clarinet player. I'm an instrumentalist, and I actually told this story just I think Monday. Way back, I got chosen to be in this like fine arts academy thing uh in high school and they made us and it was like music and art mm -hmm. and instruments and singing and drama and all this other stuff and I can remember them making us sing and I was like oh no I play an instrument I don't sing I I'm not a singer and uh they're like oh everybody has to sing everybody a song you can to. you can sing whatever you want you can sing the ABCs if you want and I remember being terrified having to sing alone in front yeah. of someone so the answer to that is never I'm never <laughs> going to sing <laughs> by myself I do sing. I enjoy singing, but I don't have a, a solo voice. I like to just blend in with the. In college, you could o you would always know in our in our ear training class, sightseeing and ear training class, the instrumentalists, yeah, because they would be <laughs> the ones that could not sing. Yeah. A, you do know, you have room for a clarinet back here? Because I, I, I don't know if I. We need to expand, expand to the winds because we I don't know how to fit too much more up there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We need that new church we've been talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're we're busting at the seams. Um, those are all the questions I had for you, Mandy. Thank you so much. We've run out of time. Um, we'd like to keep you up here because we have yet someone else to interview, but I'm going to pause for a minute to go over a few things. I hope you guys have been looking at uh, your bulletin at church because we are really kind of have a lot coming up. Um, as far as events, May 6th and 7th is the Father-Son Campout, and there's a sign-up on the bulletin board, and it doesn't have to just be Father-Son. It can be Father-Grandfather, um, Uncle-Nephew. It can be just a, if there's a, a young man in your life that you'd like to bring to the campout, whether it's relative or just a family friend, um, more than welcome to attend. So um, that sign-up's on the bulletin board. There's lots of big prizes that they give out at that event. Brent won a catfish pole one time. Oh, we could they probably use of one of those. Bo plays with the frogs, and mm -hmm. yeah, they have a good time. Um, and then Mother's Day is May 8th. That is just around the corner. Um, if you want to have there, we're going to do a booklet with photos and things. If you want to participate in that, this May, this Sunday, May 1st, is the deadline to get your pictures in. Um, so don't forget about that. 
The men's annual fishing trip is this weekend as well, or it's April 28th through the 30th, so that's tomorrow. tomorrow. Some of them are leaving tonight. I was about to say, so you're you're going to be late for the bus if you're not already <laughs> signed up for that. So And get your tetanus shot. I like to plug that. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Yeah, Brad. Um, you know, Brad has that story of lightning, right? You've no, I one. haven't. I have, But I'm always good for it. Is it an embarrassing story? No, he was at the fishing trip five years ago or so and, and was coming off of the dock to go up and lightning literally struck they they swear that went between his legs <laughs> and he had near-death no experience and he was clueless and i i knew they got up there there had to be a lot of near-death experiences that have happened on yeah. these things my dad happened to be on that trip with him and he still to this day when he thinks of that story he cries because yeah. it scared him he thought he was gonna lose brad so bad from that lightning strike you know i haven't been fishing since i was about 10 or 11 and i hooked my dad in the neck with a fishing hook and i haven't gone back since <laughs> honest that is the honest There's to god truth why you're not yeah you yeah so i We'll have a little bit of a fear and why I think feel strongly you should be up to date on your shots if you go fishing ever with other people. Um, and Bethel Homecoming, my goodness, is May 15th. That, again, is just like right upon us. We have a concert by the Wiznets. Wiznats? Did I say Wiznets? it right? You're right, um, And I haven't heard a group yet that hasn't just been amazing. Even my boys who are like sports kids and, you know, they're not one to sit and listen to music have well, just been in awe of I'm these concerts. I'm kind of excited so. for this one because it's the first time I think, well, okay, no, because we've had the, the Harpers, but it's the first time in a long time that we've had a woman. So the group is, a, is two men and a lady, mm -hmm. and oh, the, the we're Harpers. actually going to have another a lady on the stage this time. So like the last time, a couple times, we've had the men groups, the Dixie Echoes, and mm -hmm. then the Lesters came, and we've had the Fourfold, which was the quartet of men. Mm -hmm. and we haven't had a group yet that hasn't been unbelievable. So that's mm -hmm. something, make plans to attend that. Um, there, of course, will be food, plan on um, bringing aside and some desserts and things like that and um, Ben has been texting me again and again for those of you who don't know Ben is just vacationing um, and abandoned us all together so um, he wants to say I'm just saying Gatlinburg Tennessee is ridiculously far from Lonedale <laughs> exactly and I think what he means to say is it's totally beautiful ha 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 <laughs> for the rest of you that are here um, and then he also texted in, take it or leave it. It's about time we had two women on the panel of the Bethel radio show. <laughs> take it. That's a take. That's nice. Yeah. I love <laughs> it, Manny. We'll have you up some more. Um, and then he also said, things I thought I'd never say. I really enjoyed seeing someone get a ticket this week. Maybe he was glad Ooh. it wasn't him. Or maybe he have to Is he expand. giving us a hint that there's somebody here? I don't know. That He's going to have to expand on this. I don't know if it was one of us or I if he's heard anything. somebody he felt very yeah. deserving of a ticket that got one. So we're going to have to ask him about that. So I'll just um, say just briefly, I've been gone several. I've missed a lot of Wednesday nights because my daughter's been sick. So I never thought I'd say, I'm so glad to hear that my daughter just has asthma. No. <laughs> we have been in the hospital two times. We've had an ambulance ride. And oh, it's been a pretty eventful um, winter and spring. And so we found out last week that our daughter has um, asthma. And that's why she's been getting so sick. She just, bless her heart, couldn't breathe. She hasn't slept well for months. And mm -hmm. all the pieces kind of fit. And we saw this pulmonologist. So that's why... Thank you for your prayers. We I, we've missed a lot of work and church and just events in general because of uh, our little one. And she is. Um, they started her on like a little asthma pathway, and they started her on a couple inhalers, and she is like a new kid. She is doing Good. great. So, thank you all for praying for her, and hopefully we're done missing um, church for a while and work and school and everything else that goes into it. So. Um, without further ado, we have Tom Nays here tonight. 
we're going to interview him. Tom, you always have interesting stories. It seems like you've just, you're just fun in general and really easy to talk to. But tonight we're going to talk about your grandfather. So first of all, just tell us a little bit about your grandfather, your relationship with him. Well, uh, hey guys, how you doing? Uh, I wasn't here last Sunday, and literally, when you miss a Sunday, it feels like months since you've been here. Um, but uh, glad to be here. Uh, ben actually gave me one day notice to be here tonight. So That's they, a lot. The full he, 24 hours is good. It he really was is. laughing. He said he almost waited till tonight to call <laughs> me. He said just to keep it keep it honest. But uh, yeah, my grandfather um, is actually not a blood relative of mine. Uh, my my father's parents they're still alive. They're in their mid 80s, but they are uber millionaires and live in Florida and like Shania Twain's neighborhood and stuff. Yeah, I've talked to, my, talked to them maybe 10 words my whole life. So I, d I didn't know them. Uh, my mom's parents, uh, my, grand my mom's father lived in Pennsylvania, never knew him. And my grandmother I got to know about eight years ago for one year and she died of cancer. So I didn't really know those grandparents. Well, when I was very young, a, probably from birth, but I, I remember this man I call my grandfather from about five years old. And it's my dad's brother's wife, his father. So, you know, my, my aunt's father. And he just kind of took a kin to me. He's your grade A 100% grandpa. You know, uh, good looking old man, the gray hair, you know, just always happy. He was a retired firefighter. He was in the military. And just, uh, I think he saw the, the nature of my family, which everybody's heard the nature of my family. And he kind of took a liking to me and pulled me to the side. And uh, I remember one of my earliest memories, I was six years old, living on Little Indian Creek, and he gave me this little pocket knife. And he, said, he started teaching me how to whittle. And he said, never cut towards yourself. The second he turned around, I was, pow, I hit that thumb. And I remember I walked up to him, and I had blood pouring out of my hand. <laughs> And he said, uh, what happened? Nothing, nothing, you know? Well, uh, I, growing up being very poor, I had never been to a movie until Home Alone 2. I'd never been to the mall till I was in high school. I'd never, ever left Missouri. And uh, didn't know there was anything outside of St. Clair. You know, going to St. Charles to my parents' rich family side was like castles, you know, Disneyland. And um, I remember he said, hey, we're going to take you on a trip. And I was 13. And I, really? He said, we're going to go across the United States. Well, they took me for two weeks, and we started in Missouri and went all the way up to Oregon, down through Nevada. We hit every national park. You know, you'd name it. That's like my dream vacation to take, by the way. The, really? All those national parks. Like, that's on my list of things to do now, if I could. Yeah. It's very memorable. I'm sure you remember. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And, and I... I yearn to go back to those places and I can't wait to take my kids like the redwoods if you've never seen a 300 foot sequoia you gotta go you know and it was a life-changing moment it showed me there's a bigger world outside of St. Clair he had bigger plans but as a kid I didn't realize it you know um getting into high school I've shared my testimony I started getting a little wild running with the wrong crowd and he saw that started counseling me and hey you ought to look into the military you know well lo and behold I joined the military because of his counseling you know I, I've always praised God for listening to my elders you know I might not listen the first time but I would they know better than I do and I try to tell youth now I've I credit my whole life to listening to him over my parents I remember uh, one of the first uh, letters I got in basic training was from him 
and I didn't realize it, but he'd put a stick of gum in it. Well, you don't get anything in basic training. And when I opened up this letter and there was a stick of gum, it's like, it's the Holy Grail, you know? It's it, unbelievable. So all these little things, I credit to him. And um, so fast forward 28 years or whatever. I was, I'm 32 now. So from six to now. I went to St. Clair, so I'm not very good at math. But, uh, but anyways. two terrible. <laughs> sorry, they got a way better program now. Um, two weeks ago. You should make it worse. Uh, did I? Oh, okay. Two weeks. Uh, see, I told you I missed last Sunday, so it's a mess. Uh, last, two Sundays ago, we had a, a great church service. Um, and uh, we were going out to eat. And on the way home, um, I, saw, I got a text from my aunt. And she said, hey, out of the blue, Jerry has 7 to 14 days to live. This is the man I call my grandpa. And that's a shock. Of course that's a shock. And so I'm instantly thinking he had a stroke or a heart attack or something. And so we start texting, you know, and just 14 days, that's not real, you know. And um, she said, no, he... Uh, had an infection in his knee. About, uh, I guess, two months ago, I was at the nursing home visiting him. And, um, and I saw, you know, he curmudgeon and crabby, you know, he got this big thing on his leg, but he wants to get out of this nursing home. He's doing rehab. He had a, a knee replacement. Well, it got infected, and the infection went to his heart. And he has some fake valves, and they said it eroded one of his valves. It's eroding a real valve. And um, they said now every time his heart pumps, it squirts a little blood into his body. So he's slowly bleeding to death. And this is all within the span of 30 minutes. I'm finding this out. So you have all those memories and all these emotions. And so I said, well, how is he? He said, he's fine. He's fine. Well, I uh, instantly was convicted. Of course, I'm going to go see him. Well, um, I came to the church. My truck was still parked here. And the first thing I did is I came in and I sat at this pew over here. And I just started talking to God, you know, because I have questions myself. Because until you're faced with death, if it's yourself or somebody you love, we all know what it is. We all know believers, you know. But until it smacks you in the face like that, I had some questions too. And so I came in here and I just started praying, you know, what's next, God? What, what's going on? What, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to him? And I started studying. And I still have all the yellow sticky notes. Uh, in, a lot of in a lot of your Bibles, in the beginning, it gives you what about, um, what about assurance? What about church? What about covenants? Well, what about death? And so it gives you all the verses about faith, not all of them, but you know, the go-to verses on death. And I started reading them, preparing myself, because I knew I was going to go see him. And that's kind of when it hit me. I didn't know his salvation condition. I didn't know if he's saved. And so through the tears and you could compose yourself and I'd cry again thinking about death as these earthly things, I knew I was given a mission that I have to go see him, like nothing I've ever felt before. And as I was sitting there, some words came to me. And Pastor Ben always says, you know, follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. And I know for a fact those words that were given to me that were from the Holy Spirit. I understood them, but I didn't know how important they were until the time came. So 
I, uh, I wrote those on my hand, and I have them on my hand tonight because it's one of the most pivotal parts of the story. So uh, I called my grandma, Linda, and I said, hey, uh, how's he doing? He's good. Can I come over? Yep. And I said, well, you couldn't have told me I can't. So, so I went over there. And uh, I tell you what, I, I pulled up into that driveway, and I ran into that front door. I didn't. I started walking up to that front door with my Bible in my hand, and I did an about face, and I walked back to my car. I wasn't ready yet. It's the second hardest thing I've ever done versus uh, myself and Craig Licklider were the first people to be with Bobby after Donnie was killed. That was the first hardest. We were the first people to knock on the door and talk to her. This was second in my heart comparable emotional state because in essence, I was going to say goodbye to my grandfather. He's been told he has seven to 14 days to live and I'm going to ask him if he's saved. And I could take a quick poll, you know, who's harder to witness to, a man or a woman? We'd probably say a man. Who's harder to, to witness to, a, a child or an elderly person? A child. They haven't eaten out of my hand in five seconds. Who's harder to witness to, a stranger or a loved one? I think we would all say a loved one. And so... This is everything wrapped up in one. So I knocked on the door. And all of these things that I, I talked about are important. And I did have notes because I don't want to mess it up. And uh, you said I had a little bit extra time. And I'm glad you said that because this was a period of over four hours. I'm going to try to condense that in about 20 uh, minutes. About 15 I, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I found out. I had the normal thoughts of life. I wondered what his salvation was. I went to the church and I prayed. And I kept notes. And um, I felt I was on a mission. One thing I did on the way there is I called for support. Because I wasn't ready. And I called Ben and I said, Ben, this is a situation I need help. Please pray for me. He was in a deacons meeting. He said, we're going to pray right now with the deacons. That's important. Um, so I called Linda and I walked up to the door. And I, I went in. And uh, I sat down, and Grandpa's sitting there with his little Snuggie on, you know, and Grandma's sitting there. And I'm like, how are things? <laughs> we just started talking like normal. And what's important is I brought this in, and I set it on the couch. And my Grandma, one of the first things she said, she said, I saw you brought the good book. I said, yes, ma'am. I did. And it just sat there, and we talked. And we talked about life, and we talked about the whittling and all that. And I said, Grandpa, I said, um, I said do you believe in God? And he said, yeah, I believe in God. He was eerily and oddly at peace with it. So I had to believe he believed in God. And I said, do you believe in heaven or hell? And he said, yes. I said, Grandpa, do you believe you're going to go to heaven? He said, I hope so. There's my answer. There's my answer. So I, I've got to say in sermons before, and we all know the line, that's when God pencils in a meeting. So here I am with my grandpa. He has not accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Minutes left in his life, literally, days. Well, I'm not going to leave this room without what's going to happen. So I have my own insecurities. What's going to happen? And so I said, well, Grandpa, there's a way to know that you know that you know. Using all of Ben's lines, you know, and... The, the, another one that he uses is when he says, I wouldn't be a very good Christian if I didn't ask you this. Or, you know, such good segues. And I told 
I said, Grandpa, I said, you know, I got licensed to be a, a minister, right? Yeah, I heard that. And I said, well, I wouldn't be doing that justice if I didn't ask you if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. One of the next lines he said, he said, well, I just hope when I stand in front of him, he'll take it easy on me. You know? And I'm like, this is amazing. I can't believe this is happening. This is an 85-year-old man. My grandma's 79. And... Um, I'm, I'm going to go through my notes, but I know, it, I know it by heart. I'm just trying to keep it not so lengthy. We got to talking about salvation and forgiveness of sins. And one of the things he said was, well, what about all those things I did wrong in my life? When, he, when we went on that trip, my grandpa was a drinker. He liked to play poker. You know, good morals, but he was a drinker smoker, and he's 85 years old. You wonder how people do that. And he said, all those drunkenness times. He said, one of the things I regret the most is all the drunkenness. All the time I lost that I forgot. And I said, well, Grandpa, I said, it's not so bad. I said, you remember that bar in Rattlesnake Junction, Nevada? You taught me how to play pool? He said, I taught you how to drink. I was stupid. I said, Grandpa, you didn't teach me how to drink. So I could tell he was convicted about some of the stuff he had in his life. And I said, there's a forgiveness for sins. He said, there's for forgiveness in the things I've done in my life. This is an 85-year-old man that doesn't know the gospel from day one. I could have opened up the children's book of Jesus and started reading. This is how little he knew. And the gospel message over four hours was shared. And my grandma said, well, what are all those little things in your Bible? Well, that's when it started. And I said, Grandma, I... Uh, I did some studying, and I said, I got verses in here that help when it talks about death. And she was like, will you read them? And I'm like, yeah, I'll read them. And Grandpa, I said, Grandpa, I don't want to overwhelm you. I said, is it fine if I read? He said, yeah, read them. That's fine. So I started reading, you know, fear not. You know, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And it got into some heavy verses that I could barely explain, let alone read. And they were like little kids. Keep going. Keep going. I mean an excitement in these two elderly people. And my grandpa would apologize because he kind of nod off. And he said, I'm listening. Keep going. You're giving me a lot to think about. And I'm thinking, seven to 14 days, I'm giving you a lot to think about. You better start thinking, Grandpa. I, I'm just praying the whole time as I'm talking. You're listening. God, let him absorb this. And, and I would stop and I'd say, I, I can go. No, keep going. I like what you're saying. This excitement. That got me excited. I'm letting God stand on his own word. I'm just saying it. And I, I felt an insecurity that I wasn't saying the right things. And since I got a minute, I, um, I said, my grandma started talking about poetry. I said, oh, I love poetry. Ben, again, says, know your story. You might only get a couple minutes to share salvation with somebody. And I said, well, I wrote a poem on salvation. And Grandpa's like, well, can I hear it? And you, a lot of you have heard it. I'd like to share it. And this is what I told my grandpa. Because this is how I know the gospel. I don't know every verse. I don't know how to explain it perfectly, but this is how I know it. And this is what I read to him. And my grandma was finishing my lines. She was as naive as my grandpa, but it was so simple. I knew the story. The beginning of it, is his name is Jesus, and yes, Jesus is God. My grandma's 79. She stopped me. She said, now you said Jesus is God. How is that? 79. 
people don't know the gospel. So I said, let me share this with you, Grandpa. He said, please. His name is Jesus, and yes, Jesus is God. And if you're an unbeliever, all of this may sound just a little bit odd. In the beginning, God, well, he created man, and he created us perfect, but we, we had other plans. You see, God, he had this tree, and it was beautiful and full of fruit. He told us not to eat of it all the way from the tip tops of the leaves all the way down to below the bottoms of the roots. But a serpent, that is a snake, tricked the man's woman into having just a little partake. And with a bite of that fruit that came from that tree, well, it cursed us to hell. And that curse is for you, and that curse is for me. But I come to you strong because I've read this book, and it made me take not just one, but it made me take a second look. A look at my life and a look at my sin. What is the sin? Where do I begin? Sins are the things that we do, things that we know that are wrong, things that we thought were in secret, but those secrets, they have been known, known all along. God sees the things that you do in the dark, and if you don't stop them, you will be forever set apart. Set apart from joy and set apart from laughter. You better enjoy right now because there will be no more happily ever after. All the things you fear and all the things you dread. Well, without this Jesus, those are your prizes when you find yourself dead. So is there any hope? And to answer that question, I am not at a loss. Because yours and my sins were forgiven. How? This Jesus was nailed to and died on a cross. But that's not the end of the story, as the poets would say. Because after three days, the stone that closed his grave, well, it began to roll away. How? How, I'll tell you, it wasn't by the hands of a man. It was by the strong hand of God, a God who had a perfect plan. A plan for the curse that caused us to run. And we'd be running forever, but God sent his son. With a life lived with perfection and a life lived with peace, we were supposed to be nailed to that cross. But Jesus, God's son, he took our place. So you hear what I'm saying and you ask, how am I saved? You get on your hands and your knees and you pray. And you pray and you pray like never before. Jesus Christ is knocking on your beating heart's door. And think of my grandpa's condition. I looked up at him and you can understand he was emotional. All you have to do is let him come in. Ask him to be your savior. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. And he will save you. And he will call you his friend. My grandpa understood that. And he was crying. Looking at an 85-year-old man, your grandpa, crying, emotional. And I, told, I was talking about the salvation prayer the whole time. And this was at the end of the four hours. And grandma said, will you just say the salvation prayer so we know it? So, and I said, well, grandma, I, I was going to say it. I said, but I, I want to pray. And I, I'm going to say it with you. And you remember those words I told you the Holy Spirit put on my heart? I looked at grandpa and I said, grandpa, you don't have to go afraid. I heard... Don't go afraid. His eyes locked on me like laser beams. That's what he needed to hear. He was afraid. He wasn't saved, and he was afraid of what was next. And I said, let's pray. And I prayed. Thanked God for everything, all the influences in my life. We prayed for his health. We prayed for God's will. And I paused, and I said, and this is a salvation prayer. And I prayed the salvation prayer just like it was the first time I ever did it. And I looked up when I was done and I said, amen. And I said, Grandpa, all you have to do is say that prayer and mean it. And he said, I did. He said, I couldn't repeat the words you said, but I prayed every word you just said. And I said, Grandpa, do you mean it? He said, yeah. I said, do you believe it? He said, yes. There it is. He accepted Christ on his chair. 85 years old, 
a man, a grandpa, lived a sinful life and he accepted Christ. A family member that was the first person that's ever prayed with me. First. I remember you guys had a, a thing up here and you were talking about... You texted in. I, I've, I've witnessed to so many people and nobody has ever accepted Christ that you were aware of. Yeah, with never you. prayed with me. And I said, what does it feel like? And I couldn't even explain it at the moment. But uh, it was time for me to go. Grandpa was tired. It was very emotional. And I think his, his better side of him got him. You know, he's, he was worked up. And he's like, okay. He said, uh, he looked at me and he said, goodbye, son. And I said, Grandpa, believers don't say goodbye. They say, see you later. He said, see you later, buddy. And he shook my hand. And I stepped out the door. And uh, my grandma followed me out, and we were hugging and laughing, and I could see he was in there. He, was, he didn't know what to think of himself. He couldn't collect himself. And all I pictured was God writing Jerome Young. So it's not too late. It's scary. But I went out to my car, and I got in, and I started it, and I started praying, and I'm like, that ain't justice. I got out and got on my knees, and I was crying and praying and praising the Lord. So... I don't know. I'm glad Ben let me share it. I'm glad maybe I went too long, but it's, it's so worthy. My, my question for you, Thomas, is um, I got that, the text that night from you on Sunday, April 10th mm -hmm. at 8.55 p.m., and you said in that, I mean, you told me the story, and then in that text you said, I won't sleep tonight. Did you send that text before you got out of the driveway, or did you send it when you got home, and did you sleep that night? I sent it when I was sitting in this parking lot at 10.30, still crying, because I tried getting into the church. Well, this was 8.55, so I, I've got the time stamp here. Okay, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I don't really recall time after that. <laughs> it, it was unbelievable. So how does it feel? I just pray you get to experience it, and I pray you go for it, because there's no greater feeling. And it, it, I, tell, I tell Ben it's a gospel pride. That's the only way I can talk about it, because it ain't me. Hey, look at me, I get a plaque. No. It's for him and for Christ. Does he not deserve it? And I just, I literally pictured him writing my grandpa's name in the book of life. Thank you. Yeah, so the next day, the follow-up is always important. You can't give somebody it and just run away. And I called the next day. Grandma, how's grandpa doing? And she said, what did you do to him? I said, what do you mean? <laughs> she said, he's got a pep in his step like he hasn't had in a while. And I said, well, praise the Lord. She said, first thing he said this morning, he said, I'm not going to sit in this chair and die staring at the wall. He said, let's go talk to some more doctors. And so uh, they went and talked to some more doctors that day, and they found some uh, young upstart heart surgeon. I don't know his name, but a little more, you know, proactive. We'll try on this old man, you know. Yeah. And um, so they gave him some new medicines, and they said, I'll, I'll see you in uh, See him 30 days. So what is his prognosis now? Has it yeah. changed much? or? Well, that alone doubled his lifespan. Oh, yeah. Doubled his expected lifespan. And unfortunately, right now, he's still on the medicine, so they said they got to get the infection out of his heart before they can operate. So, but he's still encouraged. And uh, he, when the, one of the first words he said when I walked in that door was, well, there's nothing they can do. And I just talked to him the other day, and he's like, well, if these bleeping doctors would work on me, <laughs> he said, but he's, he's not giving up. And uh, I think I, I credit all that to the Lord. It gave him new life. 
He's got a new heart. And uh, I just want to encourage everybody, learn the gospel the way you can handle it. And uh, a simple poem, he understood. And I just followed the direction of the Holy Spirit. It blessed me beyond words, and it changed my life. So. And it's hard to follow anything you say, Tom. You're just like, you kind of suck people in when you start talking. But um, just in the realm of elderly ministry, uh, we've, I found a website, elderlyministry.com, because I think a lot of what you said is true that for people that are elderly and haven't been in church, it's, it's hard, perhaps harder than it is for a child or a young adult to come to salvation. Um, I found, I was trying to look for a statistic, and I found that statistically most people that are saved accept Jesus before they turn 20. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is uh, quite a bit of information out there. Of course, like Ben says, you can Google it. It's out there. Um, on ways to witness to the elderly, elderlyministry.com. I found this letter um, that someone had written into a pastor, and and the the pastor relays this. It said, a letter came across my desk from a concerned gentleman who had tried unsuccessfully to lead an elderly woman to Christ. The elderly woman objected to the salvation message on the basis that it was more difficult for an elderly person to be saved than for a younger person. But the Bible says the gospel is... The power of God into salvation is to everyone that believeth. That's Romans 1.16. The gospel of salvation that lives and abides forever can effectively transform any person, whether he is young or old. God had given Joshua many victories in his lifetime, but as Moses' servant and later as a leader, both as Moses' servant and as the leader of God's people. God had always kept his word to Joshua, and even in Joshua's old age, God didn't forsake him. While it's true that a person who doesn't know the Lord can become more hardened to the gospel as he gets older, God's word is powerful enough to save anyone who will believe and act on it. God told the prophet Jeremiah, Is not my word like as a fire, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Jeremiah twenty three twenty nine. The word of God can melt even the hardest heart and the most stubborn rock of resistance. The precious blood of Jesus is not limited to any age boundaries. No matter how many mistakes you've made or how you've disobeyed God in the past, God is good and rich in mercy to all who come upon him in sincerity. The Bible says that God's tender mercies are new every morning and that his mercy endures forever to anyone who believes in him. That is true for anyone regardless of their age. The eyes of God are on man for good and not for evil, for the inception of life until he goes the way of all the earth in death. You're never too old to receive eternal life and experience the riches of God's salvation. And to that, you, that couldn't be said better. I think one of the scary things are is we love our families, and we don't want them to judge us, you know. Because if I would have walked in there, Grandpa would have said, oh, take that Jesus junk and get out of my house. And then he died the next day. That would be the last memory I had of him. But I think that would hurt less than knowing that my grandpa stood at the gates and Jesus said, depart from me, I don't know you. That would hurt so much more. So that awkward moment where you, your whole life is judged in front of people you love, how much more is it going to be great when I get to walk the streets of heaven with him? Mm-hmm. You know? And so I just, if you got lost family members, do it. Call them. Call them tonight. You won't regret it. So. Thank you. Thank you, Thomas. Amen.
Um, thank you all for coming tonight. I know it was a little bit different format. Next week we'll be here on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock with all, um, hopefully, the usual people. Or maybe not, because this was kind of nice. I'm yeah. not going to lie. It was nice uh, <laughs> having Mandy Fresh up here blood. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, check your bulletin. There's a lot going on. And we'll see you all next week. And I have a, a copy of the poem if anybody would like it. All so. right. Thank you. Yeah.